listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page and be able to share your own thoughts and reflections with those who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Storm Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 289. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 6, Paragraphs 88 to 95. 88. I acknowledge that if the lapse of time had decreased the power, the charity, and clemency of that highest sovereign, the good fortune of those living in that happy time might cause a holy envy in those living by the light of faith, in our more protracted and less favored times. It is true, we have not the happiness of seeing her, conversing with her, and listening to her with our bodily senses. And in this respect, those first children of the church were more fortunate. But let us all remember that in the heavenly knowledge and charity of this most loving mother, we were all present to her. Also during those times, volume 3, 78. For she saw and knew us all in the order and succession in which we were to be born in the church, and she prayed and interceded for us no less than for those who lived in her times. Nor is she at present less powerful in heaven than she was then upon earth, nor less our mother than of those first children. And she held us as her own, just as well as them. But alas, that our faith and our fervor and our devotion should be so very different, Not she has changed, nor is her love less ardent, nor would we experience less of her intercession and protection, if in these troubled times we would hasten to her with the same sentiments of humility and fervor, asking for her prayers and trustfully relying upon her for help, as was the case with those devoted Christians in the first beginning. Without a doubt, the whole Catholic Church would then immediately experience the same assistance of the Queen throughout the whole world. 89. Let us return to the solicitude of the kindest mother of the apostles, and for the recently converted, attending to the consolation and necessities of all, and of each one in particular. She exhorted and animated the apostles and the ministers of the Divine Word, fixing their attention upon the prodigious manifestation of the Divine Power by which her most holy son began to plant the faith of his church, the virtue which the Holy Ghost had communicated to them in order to make them fit ministers, the ever-present assistance of the divine right hand. She exhorted them to acknowledge and praise him as the author of all these wonderful works, 
and to render him humble thanks for all of them, to follow up in secure confidence their preaching and exhortation, the exaltation of the name of the Lord, in order that he might be known, extolled, and loved by all the faithful. She herself practiced what she taught, and inculcated by prostrating and humiliating herself before the Most High, and by breaking forth in canticles of praise and exultation. These duties she fulfilled with such plenitude, and for none of the converted did she ever omit giving thanks and offering fervent prayers to the Eternal Father. All of them remained distinctly present in her mind. 90. Not only did she do all these things for each one of them, but she received all, listened to all, and endeared herself to them with words of light and life. During those days following upon the coming of the Holy Ghost, many conversed with her in private, opening up their inmost souls, and the same happened also with those who were converted afterwards in Jerusalem. Not that she was ignorant of their secrets, for she knew the hearts of all, their affections, inclinations, and conditions, enabling her by this divine knowledge and wisdom to accommodate herself to the necessities and natural character and to render salutary assistance against the maladies of each of her clients. Hence, the Most Blessed Mother conferred such exquisite blessings and vast favors to innumerable souls that they never can be known in this world. 91. There were many who were privileged to be instructed and catechized in the Holy Faith by the Heavenly Mother, and not one of them was lost. For at that time, and as long as they lived, she continued to offer special prayers for them, so that all of them were written in the Book of Life. In order to bind her divine son, she said to him, My Lord and life of my soul, according to thy will and pleasure, have I returned to the world, in order to be the mother of thy children, my brethren, and my faithful sons of the church. Let not my heart be torn by seeing the fruit of thy priceless blood fail in any one of these that seek my intercession, and let them not reap unhappiness from their having availed themselves of me, the insignificant worm of the earth, for obtaining thy clemency." Admit them, my son, into the number of thy friends, predestined for thy glory. To these, her prayers, the Lord immediately responded, promising that what she asked would be done. And I believe the same happens in our day to all those that merit her intercession and ask for it with all their hearts. For if this purest mother comes to her son with similar petitions, how can it be imagined that he shall deny to her that little to whom he has given his own self? in order that she might clothe it in human flesh and nature, and then nurse him at her own virginal breast. 92. Many of those new faithful, highly impressed with her greatness by their conversation with the heavenly mistress, returned to present to her jewels and the richest gifts. Especially the women despoiled themselves of the fineries to lay them at her feet. But she would receive or permit none of these gifts. When it seemed to her appropriate not to refuse entirely, she secretly inspired the minds of the givers to bring them to the apostles, in order that they might be equitably and justly distributed in charity among the most poor and needy of the faithful. But the humble mother gratefully acknowledged them as if they had been given to her. The poor and the sick she received with ineffable kindness, and many of them she cured of inveterate and long-standing infirmities. Through the hands of St. John she supplied many secret wants, never omitting the least point of virtue. As the apostles and disciples were engaged all day in preaching the faith and in converting those that came, the great queen busied herself in preparing their food and attending to their comfort. And at stated times she served the priests on her knees, 
and with incredible humility and reverence asked to kiss their hands. This she observed especially with the apostles, knowing and beholding their souls confirmed in grace, endowed with all that the Holy Ghost had wrought in them and exalted by their dignity, being the high priests and the founders of the church. Ephesians 2.20 Sometimes she saw them clothed in great splendor, which elicited from her increased reverence and veneration. Instruction which the great Queen of the Angels gave me. 93. My daughter, in what thou hast come to know of the events related in this chapter, thou wilt find a great deal that points to the mystery of the predestination of souls. Be convinced that, since the redemption was so overflowing and copious, it was sufficient for the salvation of all men. Romans 5.20 The divine truth was made known to all, whoever heard its preaching or who saw the effects of the coming of the God-man into the world. Besides the outward preaching and knowledge of the remedy, all received interior inspirations and helps in order to seek and accept the means. You are surprised that, in spite of all this, only 3,000 were converted by the first sermon of the Apostle, among all that great multitude then in Jerusalem. It should cause a greater surprise that in our time so few are converted to the way of eternal life, as the gospel is more widespread. Its preaching is frequent, its ministers numerous, the light of the church clearer, and the knowledge of the divine mysteries more definite. With all this, men are blinder, the hearts more hardened, pride more inflated, avarice more bold, and all the vices are practiced without fear of God and without consideration. 94. In this most perverse and unhappy state, mortals cannot complain of the most high and equitable providence of the Lord, who offers to all and every one his fatherly mercy, and points out to them both the way of life and the way of death, so that if any man hardens his heart, God can permit it in strictest justice, the reprobate will have none but themselves to blame. If afterwards, when there is no more time, they shall be uselessly dismayed with what, in opportune time, they could and should have known. If, in the short and transient life which is given to them in order to merit the eternal glory, they close their eyes and ears to the truth and to the light, and if they listen to the demon giving themselves up to all the promptings of his malice, if they thus abuse the goodness and clemency of the Lord, what can they then allege as their excuse? If they do not know how to pardon an injury, and for the slightest offense meditate the direst vengeance. If, for the sake of increasing their property, they pervert the entire order of reason and of natural brotherhood, if, for a passing delight, they forget the eternal pains, and if, in addition to all this, they despise the warnings, helps, and admonitions sent to them by God to inspire them with the fear of perdition and induce them to avoid it, how shall they afterwards find fault with thy divine clemency? Let then mortals who have sinned against God undeceive themselves without penance. There shall be no grace without reform, no pardon without pardon, no glory. But just as these are not conceded to those that are unworthy, so they are also never denied to those that are worthy. Nor is ever the mercy of God withheld from any one who seeks to obtain it. 95. From all these truths I desire, my daughter, that thou collect for thyself what will be for thy welfare. 
Let the first be that thou receive attentively each holy inspiration, each advice or instruction, although it come from the most inferior minister of the Lord, or from whatever creature. Thou must prudently consider that none comes to thy notice by chance and without divine predisposition. For there is no doubt that the providence of the Most High ordains all things for thy instruction, and in this light must thou look upon them with humble thanks, trying to find the virtue which thou canst and shouldst practice in accordance with the reminder, and to exercise it in the manner in which thou understandest and knowest it. Do not despise any one of them, though it may seem only a trifle, for by it thou must dispose thyself for other works of greater virtue and merit. Consider, secondly, what a damage is wrought in souls by the neglect of so many helps, inspirations, callings, and other blessings of the Lord. For their ingratitude vindicates the justice of the Most High in allowing so many sinners to become hardened in their sins. If this is such a formidable danger for all men, how much more will it be a danger for thee, if thou abuse the abundant graces and favors which the kindness of the Lord has showered upon thee in preference to many generations of men? And since my divine Son ordains all these things for thy own good and for the good of other souls, I wish lastly that in imitation of me, as has been shown thee, thou impregnate thy heart with the most sincere determination to assist all the children of the church and all other men as far as thou canst clamoring to the Lord from thy inmost heart and asking him to look upon the souls with mercy for their salvation. And in order that they may gain this blessing, offer to suffer for them as a victim if necessary, remembering that they cost my divine son and thy spouse the shedding of his blood and his life, and remembering my own labors in the church, do thou continually implore the divine mercy for the fruit of that redemption. And this practice I command thee under obedience. This concludes our reading today for day number 289. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 6, Paragraphs 88 to 95. Today, Maria Bagrada, in Paragraph 88, reminds us that we have a mother who is close to us. That just as she was close to the early church, she is still as close to us in the church of the latter years. She saw and knew all of us in the order and succession in which we were to be born in the church, she writes. And she prayed and interceded for us no less than those who lived in her times, nor is she at present less powerful in heaven than she was then upon earth. What a great assurance then of heavenly intercession, of someone praying before the throne of God for us. And then we heard this, not she has changed, nor is her love less ardent, nor would we experience less of her intercession and protection if in these troubled times we would hasten to her with the same sentiments of humility and fervor, asking for her prayers and trustfully relying upon her for her help, as was the case with those devoted Christians in the first beginning. Bring your cares to Our Lady. When you see something on the news, ask Our Lady to pray. Pray a Hail Mary in that moment, calling to mind that intention. Go to Our Lady. 
We also heard there were many who were privileged to be instructed and catechized in the Holy Faith by the Heavenly Mother, and not one of them was lost. So Mary catechizes in the early church, but that work of catechesis really continues uh, in the life of the church, especially through Mary's apparitions. One of my favorite stories of Lourdes comes from uh, a priest that I knew who said Mass there, who was working in Lourdes, and he often would remark that Our Lady came to prepare St. Bernadette to receive her first Holy Communion. Remember, Bernadette was so uneducated in the matters of faith that the priest said, you cannot make your first communion. You are not ready. Our Lady comes and she teaches her, prepares her, instructs her, communicates the great mystery of the Immaculate Conception, which was only declared a few years earlier to a girl who could not grasp what that even meant. Mary catechized Bernadette. Mary, in a sense, catechized the children in Fatima as she taught them prayers, as she showed them heaven, as she encouraged them to make sacrifices. Mary is teaching all of us, and she catechizes really in virtue. Look at her life and see the virtues that she exudes, and that's a lesson that she is teaching us as our catechist. Mary had a great reverence for the apostles, we also heard today in paragraph 92, and that as she served them, at times, in her humility, she would reverence and ask to kiss their hands. Maybe you've seen this custom done. It's often done for a newly ordained after the Mass, that as his hands were anointed with chrism oil, that now his hands are sacred, set aside for holy purposes that he will take the bread and say, this is my body, and the chalice, and say, this is my blood, that those hands will anoint, that those hands will absolve. And so there is a reverence cultivated in the mind of the church for the priests. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then... May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.